Hi, I'm Melissa. And I'm Gwen. And we are Teen Squee. This is the podcast where we spill the tea about the things that make us squee. And today we are talking about New Moon, the film. So over the course of the last two weeks, you would have heard us talk about the book. Now it's time to cover the film. Uh, And on this rewatch, I realized that I have a lot more appreciation for this film. I think now that I've learned to appreciate the book, I'm appreciating the film a lot more as well. I love to hear that. Wow, this movie is my favorite out of the Twilight Saga, and it's definitely my top five comfort movies. I love New Moon. I'm pretty sure I have the whole thing memorized at this point. Like, I can do their breakup scene, like, verbatim, with, like, the facial expressions and the tone of voice. (laughs) (laughs) Like, I sent a video of me doing it to one of our friends once, and she was like, you sound way too much like Kristen Stewart. You need to stop watching that movie because I don't like this. I was like, <laughs> this is my special talent. What can I say? Yeah, I mean, I I realized like five minutes into this film that the book writing for this one is already just so much better. The the script mm-hmm. is so much better. Oh. Um, it it it's funny without <laughs> like it, it's it's intentionally funny. And charming, and people talk like real people, for the mm-hmm. most part. Like it's it's a much better script. I still have problems with certain directorial <laughs> choices and acting choices, but that's that's for later. So first, let's oh, yeah. let's talk a little bit. Uh, if you listen to the last two episodes, you already know everything you need to know about the plot of this film. Uh, as with any adaptation, though, there are certain things that got changed. So, Alyssa, do you want to touch base a little bit about what things changed between yes. the book and the film adaptation? Yes. It just seemed like little tweakings to me, but, like, that makes sense because they had, like, a giant source material and had to, like, cut down on time. So, like, in the first scene where Bella's in the parking lot before school on her birthday... And she's, like, talking with Edward. Like, that's where we're introduced to Jacob again instead of, like, Bella calling him out of the blue and, like, dropping the motorcycles off for him. We see that they have a friendship, like, a solid friendship still, which I kind of liked how they did that because it seems – makes it less weird that she would just be like, aha, Jacob is a mechanic. Let me go to him. And it's like, oh, no, they're friends. They seem like they're close. Cool. Mm -hmm. What else? Um, they cu- they cut out Bella's job, which is valid because it doesn't really add that much to the story. Yeah, um, it adds exposition in the book, but mm-hmm. in the movie there are other ways for them to do that exposition. Uh, the the biggest one that we get right away at the beginning of the movie is there's this big overhead shot of Bella driving down the street to go to school on her birthday, and you hear the radio saying, you know, the uh, another hiker went missing last night this is the fifth disappearance in three weeks (laughs) yes yes yeah we have that intro much earlier and i liked that too i liked how it was less shoved down our throats that way it was just like blurp just so you know this is going to be coming instead of like the whole like bear trap talk in the newton sports store like that so much more (laughs) there is so much foreshadowing that in that book and they i think cut it down well for the film like there is still foreshadowing in the film but there's significantly Mm -hmm. less of it 
and there's yeah. still enough for you to get the point. Mm-hmm. Like maybe they really more tried. than you need to get the point, but yeah. They- it's less than in the book, so I can appreciate it. <laughs> I can too. I'm like, you know, they've really tried their best. They're like, wow, we have a lot of foreshadowing here. Let's just like cut it in half because we don't need this shit. Mm-hmm. <laughs> pretty much like everything with the birthday party is pretty accurate. Oh, the Volturi are kind of introduced in a different way instead of like the Bella and Edward watching Romeo and Juliet at her house. We have like Edward and Bella standing in like carlisle's study or something like that looking at this big painting of them and that's Mm -hmm. where we get this introduction and i think that works well enough like we didn't get carlisle's backstory in the first movie so like it kind of peppers in carlisle's connection to them in a very nice concise way Mm -hmm. i will say uh uh difference that happens in this in the film is that instead of watching romeo and juliet at the Swan residence, they watch it in class. Mm-hmm. And I just want to talk about the fact that Edward and Bella are cuddled up, like <laughs> legitimately cuddling in the back of this classroom watching Romeo and Juliet. And they're like having a whispered conversation. Like, I'm sorry, I don't care that there's a movie playing. Every single one of your classmates would be glaring at you, and your teacher would not have waited until a convenient moment to stop that film. Mm -hmm. He would have stopped it immediately and called you out and separated you to opposite ends of the room. Yup. Legit, I'm like, how on earth is this English teacher totally chill with them, like, snuggling during this movie and then having a whispered conversation? Like, even if it's whispered, we can still hear you. You are not that quiet. It's just... Like, I'm sorry if I so much as hugged my high school boyfriend in the hallway before we went to class, I would get yelled at by a teacher. Yep. Okay. Yeah, that was my high school. <laughs> I'm like, so you're telling me this old-ass English teacher, he's just super chill with them, like, shoulder-to-shoulder, snuggle-snuggled during Romeo and Juliet, while also not paying attention to the movie. Mm-hmm. <laughs> and when the teacher calls Edward out and is like, Mr. Cullen, would you like to repeat the last few lines of iambic pentameter? Who would be able Bella, to do that? <laughs> who, yeah, who would be able to do that? But also, Bella moves away from him, but it's still not far enough away for it to be an appropriate distance <laughs> in any stretch of the imagination. No. <laughs> it's not. It looks like they were like caught kissing and she's just like, oops, I'm just going to scooch myself a little bit over. But like still like looks like she's touching his hand or something. Mm-hmm. I-, I also just laughed every time I watched that scene. I laughed because I'm like, who's going to have that memorized, Mr. Birdie? Who in this fucking class will have it memorized? <laughs> Bella. She has all of her oh, and Juliet memorized. True. Should have asked Bella, not Edward. Mm -hmm. I mean, Edward did have it memorized. He's just a pretentious fuck about it. (laughs) I do love hearing Rob Pattison do some Shakespeare. So, like, I wasn't completely, like, you know, angry with it. Oh, see, I really was not impressed with his Shakespeare delivery. I'm sure he would be a very good Mm -hmm. Shakespearean actor. But in this instance, it's so flat. And the delivery is so jilted. I'm like, can you... Please, please talk slower. Please talk slower. I love, I love being tortured by your stupid slow voice and your pregnant pauses, Edward. (laughs) It's so true. I'm like, 
is he doing the folio method of Shakespeare in this moment where he's like racing through this little end monologue? I don't know. I wish he would have slowed down though because that was my issue with it. I just was like, look at the potential he has to do Shakespeare. (laughs) I think he's too slow in the delivery. Oh, really? I think it's so, so slow. I watched this movie like I watched the last one on 1.5 speed. And for most (laughs) of the movie, I sat there going, this feels so long to me on 1.5 speed. How long is this pause normally? Jesus Christ. Very long. (laughs) Like, the book had better pacing. And the book's pacing wasn't that great. No, it wasn't. No, it wasn't. Yeah, the movie had, like, weird... I'll call them, like, dry spots, if you will. Mm. I always feel like the transition, though, between, like, Bella's breakup with Edward, then the depression montage thing, which they did well enough in the movie, like, you know, just a panning shots of the seasons like good mm-hmm. job you did the thing and then that transition from bella going out with jessica and then that to her going to jacobs felt weird mm-hmm. i always hate that transition i also always hate the transition where bella finds out he's a werewolf and like we have that closure and then it's a weird like paused moment before she jumps off the cliff like that always feels weird even in the mm-hmm. book i'm like this is boring <laughs> Mm-hmm. The first, like, 10-ish minutes of the movie, you know, like, from the moment Bella starts her narration with her stupid Romeo and Juliet preface <laughs> to Edward leaving are actually pretty decent. Mm-hmm. Um, like, I, I'm not mad at those few minutes. The Same. birthday party is pretty decent i love the scene with her and carlisle except for the fact that uh and this is something this is not an original thought this is something that is brought (laughs) up a lot in like tumblr fan communities is that there seems to be more sexual tension between (laughs) bella and carlisle than there is between bella and edward so true (laughs) and it has nothing to do really with just, like, natural chemistry between the characters. Like, I I think that Kristen and... I can never remember the actor who plays Carlisle. I can never remember his name. Peter Peter Fascinelli. Yes. That's how you say his last name. They play really well off of each other. They both do a really good job of connecting with each Mm -hmm. other because they're having, like, a decently normal conversation. I think it's easier for them to do that than it is for Belle and Edward to do in their scenes. Mm -hmm. But the director also... Has Kristen place her arm on Peter's waist (laughs) while he's giving her stitches? And it's just a really, and like, she's, he's really close to her and she's like looking up at his face and their noses are only a few inches apart. And it's really upsettingly intimate. (laughs) It is. Like the little person inside of me who's like, God damn, I wish I was Bella right now. But I'm also like, this is not an appropriate, you know vibe there's to have. There's no reason for that scene to be as intimate as it is. There's no, no reason for him know. to be speaking in whispers. There's no reason yes. for her to be that close to her vampiric father-in-law. No yeah. reason. It's just... And then you have, like, the very soft lighting of, like, the candles and stuff. I'm like, why is this so romantic? He touches her chin a little bit when he's done, and I'm like... What's going on here? 
<laughs> Bella, is there something you'd like to tell the class? I don't blame you, but also, why is this so romantic? Speaking of chemistry, though, I will say, uh, Rob and Kristen have better chemistry in this one. And, uh... Twilight lore, they were actually dating when yep. they filmed this one. And you can you can tell that you suddenly tell. they are much more comfortable with each other. Yeah. Uh, from the from the first moment Ed, Edward appears on screen, you can tell they're a lot more comfortable with each other. And mm-hmm. I am vibing with it. You I know? I, I I like them together a lot more in this one. Uh until Edward leaves her and she goes back to heavily. Oh, <sighs> in between every three words, it's so bad. And like, I don't know who told her to act like that. I understand that, like, she's trying to like recreate like the chest pains Bella has during that scene in the book, mm-hmm. but it does not transfer well to screen when you're mm-hmm. panting in a very like emotional breakup scene like it takes me out every single time because i really love their acting in that scene actually mm-hmm. besides the panty pants yeah like... i can't i i struggle to believe bella's heartbreak same because the panting takes me out of it so much yeah because i'm like who actually would breathe like that during a breakup i don't know i'm just like She's, like, I have a hard time describing this because, like, Rob's given it his all in that scene. And from Kristen, like, we don't get as much. And I wish she had a little bit more fight in her in that scene. But that's just a personal preference. Yeah. Like, I I don't remember exactly what the uh, verbiage is for how mm-hmm. Bella says it to him in the book. But in the film, when Bella says what happened with Jasper it was nothing, she can tell something's wrong and she mm-hmm. just casually says it as if they're making plans to like meet up for dinner that night. Yeah. And I don't know, but when I read it in the book, it seemed more like a plea. Mhm. And it seemed to have urgency and then that wasn't delivered in yep. the film. Like C- Kristen Kristen's portrayal of Bella is criticized a lot for being flat and having Mm -hmm. no emotion. And this film, weirdly, is is where I see a lot of that. Because she's going through, I'd argue, even more serious trauma and emotions and events than she Mm -hmm. did in the first one. And I'm getting the same Bella that I got in the first one. I'm not yes. getting it a an increased level of energy, of uh, urgency, of I'm not I'm not feeling the raised stakes no. from film Bella, and I did feel the raised stakes from book Bella, mm-hmm. um, and and so I don't know if that that's a uh, mark of the direction of this film or of Kristen's portrayal of it but it, that was something that bothered me consistently and I think is a valid piece of criticism that people mm-hmm. give these films is that in in this film especially I felt like Bella was flat and yeah. that wasn't warranted yeah especially because I 
at the beginning, she should be like, maybe, I mean, it's her birthday and she's not happy about her birthday. But other than that, like, things are like hunky dory. She's having a good time. Her and Edward are in like a semi decent place, you know? Mm -hmm. They just spent like a wonderful summer together, like getting to know each other. And she was hanging out with the Collins or whatever. So I feel like she should be like really like amped up and energetic. And then I want to feel that fall with the birthday party gone wrong and then fall a little bit more with the breakup and just watch it like boom, boom down to like depressed Bella and then have that shoot back up at the end of the film when we get Edward back or shoot up a little bit when we, when she starts talking to Jacob, but, uh, but it's like flat instead, like you've said. And the only emotion she shows in that breakup scene is like slight anger, but not really more confusion even. Yeah, because yeah. it's like, it's the, if this is about my soul, take it. I don't want it without you is like the most emotion we get from her mm-hmm. in that scene where she's like, this is stupid, but it's, it's just a taste. I'm like, yes, that's what I want from you. Please keep doing that. And then she goes right back to like mm-hmm. panting the please don't. And then just labored breathing, labored breathing. Edward's gone. I think the best acting she does in this movie is when Alice comes back at the end. Yes. Um, she has this moment where she walks into the house and Alice is there and she just completely loses her composure and you see Kristen Stewart actually acting in that moment. Like, yes. because that's the thing is, like, she is a wonderful actor. Mm-hmm. And Rob, too, is a phenomenal actor. Both of them are amazing when you see them in things that aren't Twilight. Yep. And that moment when she walks through the door and Alice is there waiting for her, in that moment you see Kristen Stewart for what she is as an actor, Mm -hmm. unburdened by Bella and just feeling human emotion and relief. And I love that moment. I think it's the best acting she does in the whole film. I agree completely. And it's so close to like how book Bella is in that moment where she's like fucking unhinged because she's like, holy shit, the Collins are back. Oh my God, it's Alice. Oh my Mm -hmm. God, I'm feeling all these emotions that I've been suppressing for months bubble up and burst over. And I don't know how to compose myself anymore. I can't. So I'm just going to be hysterical, which is the vibe and perfect for this scene. Mm -hmm. Mm -hmm. Um, So we've talked quite a bit now about the first like 20 minutes uh let's get into jacob oh goodness and the way that this film changes once edward leaves and jacob enters the scene yeah so first things first we get one of the most iconic lines in the entire saga (laughs) Alyssa, would you care to deliver it? Bella! Where the hell have you been, Loka? My favorite forever. <laughs> Who was it? What, did you send it to me? Or did one of our other friends send it to me? There was this post that I received that was like, why does he use Loka in this one <laughs> instance in the film? He never uses it at any other time. We don't have any point of reference that states that he would have used it on her in the past what is it and then someone replied to that and was like you know he probably said it just on a whim and then spent the entire next like (laughs) week beating himself up about it because he was like why would you say that that's so stupid (laughs) 
Absolutely. And I have that question for the person who wrote that line. Like the the script you wrote was actually pretty decent. Like why did you write that line? That's the one line in this film where I'm like, humans don't talk like that. No, who's, what is, I'm like, what does this even mean? What is Loka? Can I like, is there some like significance behind it? Like behind the actual like word meaning or is it just like a random word? Well, I mean, Loka is like, you know, crazy girl or like, yeah. you know, something like that. But I don't understand why Jacob is speaking Spanish. Just he's not Hispanic. No. He's indigenous. Yeah. <laughs> yeah. I am like, Jacob, I know you didn't think when you said that. I know you didn't think. I'm hoping it was just improved by Taylor. And then he later had to deal with the shame oh of being god. like, oh my god, I can't believe I, I hope, fucking said that. I hope that line was improvised by Taylor Lautner. How did I just pronounce his last name? Lautner. 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 I, oh, when I rewatched this movie, I was like, how was I team Jacob when I first saw this movie? Because clearly... They don't have any chemistry, Taylor and Kristen. Mm-hmm. It's like there's nothing there. Even like platonic-wise, I'm like, nothing. Mm-hmm. Like the most awkward scene, I-, I would argue across any of the five movies in this saga, happens between Bella and Jacob. Uh, and it's the scene where Bella has gone to the reservation uh, because she suspects that Sam has recruited Jake. Oh, yes. And Jake's like, I can't tell you what's wrong with me, but if you want to know, go ask your filthy blood suckers. Ugh. And they're in the rain, and it's too serious, and I hate that scene. Hate but then it. it gets worse, because the scene after that is Jake climbing into Bella's window at night, oh, right? Oh, I hate it. And in, in the film, he is shirtless, mm-hmm. and Bella at one point just reaches out and touches his abs. <laughs> In the middle of their conversation. I'm like, who directed her to do that? Literally, who told her to do that? And then who watched her do that? And said, yeah, we'll For keep multiple this takes and said, yeah, we're going to keep that. It's not working, but we're not going to tell her to stop doing it. Yeah. I. Why would Bella reach out and touch his abs? It doesn't make sense. I feel like she'd be too awkward to do that. Mm-hmm. She okay. also... <laughs> doesn't want to touch Jacob intimately. No. Like, that's that's a big thing in the book, is that she wants to hold his hand because it gives her comfort, mm-hmm. but she doesn't want intimate physical interactions with him, at least yep. not romantically intimate. And I'm sorry, but touching someone's abs is pretty freaking romantically intimate. Yeah. It doesn't make sense for her to do that. I'm like, why would you do this? Who told you to do this? And I wish they wouldn't have. I just, along those lines, every time I watch that movie, the thing that makes me laugh is during that super serious rain argument where Jacob's like, you've been lying to everybody, Charlie. And there's this big weird pause as if he's going to add more names to the list. And then it's just Charlie and it's weird. (laughs) Yeah. <laughs> who wrote that? Who decided that was a good idea? Well, I'll tell you who decided that she should touch his hand or touch his abs. 
It was Chris Weitz who directed this film. Oh, goodness. Dang, because Chris Weitz, I liked a lot of his choices, like, aesthetically-wise in this film. Like, I liked the golden hue of it all. I thought that was beautiful and stunning. Mm-hmm. I don't know if he, like, picked out the music, but the scoring was gorgeous. It's one of my favorite films, like, their score. And the soundtrack is my favorite. I listen to the soundtrack all the time. Melissa Rosenberg is the one who wrote the You've Been Lying to Everyone, Charlie line. Either, girl. And, and woke up, potentially. Wrote she wrote it and then Taylor delivered Forgot. it poorly. Or... Yeah, yeah, she might have just written a good line and then Taylor forgot the line and instead of taking another take, they were like, sure. <laughs> yeah, because like when he does it, I'm like, did he forget his line? Did he just like forget the rest of his line and just taper off? Because I mean, like, same, I feel you. But also, if it's a movie, that means you can take a couple different takes, you know? Mm-hmm. It's not like you're performing live where you it's the first time or nothing. Mm-hmm. so why do we keep this i uh i i agree with you though the the soundtrack for this film slaps and that's that's true of all of the twilight mm-hmm. films um but something about this one feels it's particularly so i think maybe it's because of, like this this film gives us some very light-hearted moments it's it's incredibly mm-hmm. traumatic and very broody but you get enough lighthearted moments that you're able to feel brevity and you're able to get songs in the soundtrack mm-hmm. that provide that so in the same way like the the first film had the blue tint and it had mm-hmm. a really moody edgy gritty soundtrack right this film has a yellow tint and the soundtrack matches that yellow tint yes it's like a beautiful like there's some soft folk songs on the album we have some good like indie rock pretty sure this soundtrack is what developed my music taste like straight like, up if i had to sort this film into a hogwarts house it would be hufflepuff oh absolutely you know absolutely 100 percent. those um, are the vibes <laughs> and i just a shout out to rosalind by bon Iver for a hot second that's what plays during their breakup scene it's one of my favorite songs and he's a wonderful artist so like mm-hmm. Getting me through every rainy day because that song is on repeat. (laughs) (laughs) I just, I, Kristen and Rob get a lot of flack for these films. I think Taylor Lautner is the one who deserves the flack. I would agree, and especially because they almost recast him for New Moon because he was, like, too, like, skinny, which is an issue of itself you know Mm -hmm. um but part of me is like kind of wishing they had recast him Mm -hmm. because the acting he trained and got his body ready for the role but like he didn't like train the actor Mm -hmm. in him if that makes any sense to like catch up with playing a more mature jacob like it still felt childish i didn't see the transition from jacob as a boy to jacob becoming a werewolf and evolving into basically a new person yeah and like no no hate for lautner because i'm sure he no. did his absolute best with what he was given let's be honest like e- the script is sort of okay mm-hmm. but the source material it's is bad. still the source material <laughs> yeah right? and so like y- you can only do so much with that character and 
admittedly i haven't seen him in a lot of other stuff I, no. i've seen him in twilight and shark boy and lava girl yeah. and and so i i don't have a sort of metric to measure by where i'm like this is not his best work but i know he's capable of better because i just i haven't seen him in enough mm-hmm. whereas with rob and Kristen, i can look at them and be like i know they're capable of better because i've seen them in in more uh yeah. but i really I, I i agree with you i don't see a more mature jacob i see jake being her friend and it's super mm-hmm. sweet and it's super great mm-hmm. and i love it and then I see Jake being a petulant child throwing yeah. a tantrum for the next four, three films. Yep. Uh, yeah. And that's something I'll, I'll get into more when we talk about the Eclipse movie. But he's just trying to be edgy and it doesn't work. It comes off as he's him being a man child. And we get the same vibes here, especially when Bella leaves to go to Italy. And with Alice, mm-hmm. like Jacob's just being a huge dick when Alice shows up and I really hate it and I know he was like a dick in the books too but there was also like he was like I needed to come back I don't care about the treaty I care about you and there's that sweet little mom like oh he really really loves and cares for Bella that's cute I didn't see that in the movie I just saw Jacob being a dick to Alice and then being a dick to Bella Mm -hmm. and then just not a nice person and not the character we first saw when we started this movie (laughs) Right, and that's not necessarily Jacob's fault. That has a lot to do with the script and how it was written and with, uh, you know, their director and what their Mm -hmm. director wanted to see from him. And so it might not have been the direction that he wanted to take Jacob and it was the direction he was told to take Jacob in. Yeah. Or he just wasn't receiving the kind of feedback that he needed to be Mm -hmm. able to make the character everything that he wanted it to be kind of thing. Like, it it still ended up working. Mm -hmm. It worked just fine. It just wasn't the Jacob that I envisioned when reading the book. And so then, like, I think if I had been a person who read the books and then saw the movies, like, when they first came out, I think I'd be upset about how Jacob was portrayed. Mm -hmm. Yeah. I think that's part of my issue. Like, no, I'm no hate to Taylor Lautner because there's a lot of different factors that comes into an actor's performance. Like, it's Mm -hmm. not just them. Like, sometimes you have a director that doesn't let you take the direction you want to take. So you kind of have to go against your instinct and do what they want to do. And there's, like, the script and all these other factors going into that performance. So, like, it's not all on Taylor Lautner. However, it's not the Jacob I, like, really enjoyed in the books. Because I did like Jacob for most of New Moon, despite his... Well, I like Jacob in New Moon... Except when he was being a really pushy dick. Mm-hmm. Yeah. That's my piece on that. What's wild to me is how they cut down this, like, 570-page book. Mm-hmm. I know. And made it a two-hour film. And the way that they did it, I realized, is because so much of what happens in the book is repetition. So, like... <sighs> A lot of the book is just Bella and Jake hanging out. So mm-hmm. instead of us getting like 10 different scenes of them hanging out, we just get a montage of them doing it. And at the beginning, they're, you know, friends. And then at the end, they're even better friends, mm-hmm. you know. And it, it works. It's fine. Yeah. Um, honestly, I believe 
I believe Bella and Jake being friends more than I mm-hmm. believed Bella and Edward falling in love in the first one. Yeah. So yeah. there's that. <laughs> yeah. Yeah, I agree. I guess I should back- backtrack on what I said earlier about Taylor and Kristen's chemistry because it works with them being friends because you can tell the actors were friends in real life, but they yeah, had they no just... romantic attraction to each other. Yeah, they had no sexual tension. They had no romantic or sexual tension or chemistry. And so when they were just being friends, it worked super, super well. Mm -hmm. Uh, And the movie theater scene, even, I really, really like in this film. I think they both do very, very well in the movie Mm -hmm. theater scene because it's a, it's, you know, that pivotal turning point for their relationship where Jacob is up front and says that he wants more and Bella tells him, I can't give you more. And he sort of aggressively pushes for it and then... Mm -hmm plays the Mr. Nice Guy routine, you know? Yeah. And it's a pivotal moment in their relationship and also in our perception of Jacob, right? Mm -hmm. And they do that scene very, very well. Mm -hmm. But after that scene, when suddenly the tension between them turns and Jacob all of a sudden is can be very open about the fact that he has romantic feelings for Bella becomes weird their relationship becomes jilted and i know Mm -hmm. that it it's sort of supposed to for the first few moments of it but bella very quickly gets back on that horse yeah and they just never get back to the friendship they had whereas in the book they did in in the movie they just don't quite get there Mm mm-hmm yeah, I agree with that. Also, I feel like in the movie, they were, like, trying to make it more ambiguous, I guess, Bella's feelings for Jacob. Like, in the book, it's pretty clear-cut that she just sees him as a friend. Where in the movie, I feel like they're trying to, like, get us to be like, oh, Bella, look at her. Like, she's being, like, not wishy-washy, but she's being indecisive about this. Like, she might actually have feelings for Jacob to, like, you know, push up that whole, like team edward versus team jacob sort of thing where in the book stephanie was like nah man she is not into jacob Mm -hmm. end of it we're in this like the almost kiss in the truck felt very oddly romantic from bella's side and i Mm -hmm. was like interesting i feel like that's not the vibe we want but okay i guess yeah so we we haven't talked yet at all about the Volturi. Ooh. And we need to. We do. The casting was so good. Aro. Amazing. Is an Oscar-worthy performance. <laughs> Absolutely. Oh, my goodness. So good. He gets it perfectly because you could tell Michael Sheen was like, you know... This isn't. This, I'm just gonna have fun with this and make fun, bold choices, and you know, be a vibe. And it worked so well for Aro. Michael Sheen perfectly captures the theater kid of Aro. Yes, and he's the reason Aro is my favorite. Absolutely, I love him. It's I amazing. Also, Dakota Fanning as Jane is so perfect. Like I fucking hate her and she does mm-hmm. the job so well i'm like good for you dakota fanning like you have like the perfect that you you are what i imagined jane as when i read the book so amazing and then just the temperament i'm like god i hate this bitch 
perfect. Mm-hmm. She's doing her job. I don't want to so like her. And the 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 scenic building, mm-hmm. the scenic backdrop for Volterra, stunning, beautiful. Like I'll say that about the Twilight films. Like, are they written spectacularly? Mm, not so much. Are they directed amazingly? <laughs> also, not so much. No. But you know what's great is all of the scenic work on these films. Uh, absolutely like especially in this one since we break away from washington for a hot second we get to see the 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 contrast between rainy green washington to like beautiful sunny italy and it's amazing and i love it one thing i didn't like about the volturi scene and i know why they like made a fight happen is like because they're raising the stakes for the movie and they needed to have like a last little boost of energy to get us through the ending like i get why they had the little weird fight between edward and felix mm-hmm. i didn't like it though and i didn't like bella screaming for edward that they should kill <gasps> her instead i fucking oh hate God. that part i'm oh like girl God. I always forget about that part, and then someone reminds me, and I'm like, oh, that that's going to just keep me going for the next four days, is just the, the reminder of Kristen Stewart doing that, giving us it. the most. She did. I appreciate her for giving us the most. I just hate that it was in that moment she gave us so much, and I'm like, Kristen, please. I really, really hate Bella being like, I am worthless. Please kill me instead of Edward. I am nothing. I am but a mere human. And I'm like, this is this again? No. I'm done with this, Bella. You have worth. I love the way that Michael Sheen says Bella. I do like, Bella. Bella. <laughs> he really enunciates the name. And they get the syllables. I'm like, I love this man. He's so good. Wonderful. <laughs> Amazing. I also, uh, the thing I also don't like about that scene, it's not the Vol- like the Volturi scene, I guess, but I don't like how Edward and Bella immediately make up after she, like, saves him and pushes him out of the light. It's like, Bella, I, I like, just, it's the most half-assed apology. It's worse than the book. Mm-hmm. And he's like, I, I loved you. Like, I didn't mean to lie. You're everything to me. You're everything. And Bella's like, yeah, that's fine. Cool. Let's make out. Mm-hmm. everything's fine i'm like no bella that was the shittiest apology i've ever heard in my entire life mm-hmm. absolutely not you know what i i think they do really well in the film is the dichotomy of jane versus alice Ooh, yes like, uh you, you don't you you kind of get it when you read the book but you realize it a lot when you watch the film is alice and jane are both these petite girls mm-hmm who are incredibly powerful, who command every room they walk into, right? And Alice, uh, or sorry, and Jane feels like she has more power than Alice because they're on her turf, right? And she Mm -hmm. is Arrow's favored child, right? Yep. And then Alice shows up and threatens to usurp that. Arrow, I keep calling him Arrow, Arrow wants nothing more than for Alice to join the Volturi, for mm-hmm. Alice to be his new pet, for Alice to be his new favored child. And Jane recognizes that, and Alice recognizes it too. <laughs> and Alice isn't willing to take it, but Jane sees it as a threat. And so you have this this power imbalance of this woman who you see as, like, the light and 
her essential equal as the the force on the dark. Alice uh-huh. is the most powerful Cullen, and Jane is the most powerful member of the Volturi. Yes. And it's it's a great I I think it's done really well in the films showcasing that. Uh, mm-hmm. And it makes the end of the final film that much more pleasing. Mm-hmm. I agree. Yes, totally. Like, Jane is, like, the perfect foil to Alice Cullen as a character. Mm-hmm. Like, they are, like, so similar, but, like, so, like, opposite in, like, their morals and their mannerisms. And it's really fascinating to watch, like, Ara want to trade one in for the other. It's very mm-hmm. interesting, and I love it. I also love how bothered Jane is by it. Like, <laughs> she's very insecure about it. And da- Dakota Fanning doing the most with, the, or doing the the least to give us mm-hmm. the most, if that makes sense. Yeah, Every, she's so subtle. She She's so subtle. Every twitch of her eye has significant meaning, and she does so, so well. It's so good. Mm-hmm. Yes, because I... So in that scene where she's trying to like make Bella feel pain and like it's not working, you just see it in her eyes how like slowly pissed off she's getting and it's like gradually building until Aro tells her to stop and she's just like sitting there like looking very, very angry and I'm like, Oof mm-hmm. Dakota Fanning, look at you. Love so it. I would like to talk about some of my favorite little lines from this film here. <laughs> so do. uh the first one is at the beginning of the film uh jasper is still in high school with them for some reason yeah i don't get it and um alice insists that bella's coming to the party and bella's like i don't want to and then eventually she relents and she's like jasper no no fair with the mood control thing right and edward looks at her and goes see what i tell you you can never trust a vampire trust me trust me (laughs) (laughs) That's one of my favorite lines. I also absolutely adore one of my favorite moments in this whole film is when Bella and Jessica go to the movies and they're walking out and Jessica's talking about the movie and she's like, and if zombieism is like a metaphor or something for leprosy, that's not funny, okay? My cousin had leprosy and it's a serious disease. (laughs) And she's like, and I just... I feel like it's okay for some girls to want to shop, you know? And I'm like, yes. Yes, Jessica. You're right. A true feminist. Absolutely. She's given the most in that scene. I'm like, she's so chatty. She's just really trying her best. And I'm like, damn, Bella, she's really given you everything. And you don't bite at all. Instead, she goes and gets on the back of a motorcycle. That's, That's another thing that got changed for the film. Instead of, like getting a little too close to some guys outside a bar, Bella goes and gets on the back of some random dude's motorcycle and drives off with him, Uh, literally abandoning Jessica. What the fuck? Bella. It's ridiculous. I don't understand. The only thing I can think is that because we couldn't get as much of Bella's internal dialogue, they had to give us a glimpse of a motorcycle Mm -hmm. so that then she'd be like oh motorcycles are the key instead of like in the book she's driving around and sees motorcycles and goes huh those are dangerous 
danger is what makes me hear Edward. Maybe I should get the dangerous motorcycles. I feel like they didn't trust the audience enough. Oh, and so yeah. They were like, we have to that. introduce the idea of motorcycles. You know what? That checks out. They're always just like, our audiences, let's let's pretend and make sure that like they're stupid. We need okay. to spoon feed. And listen, I get it. I get it. I get the it. The audience is supposed to be 12-year-old girls. I get it. I get it. I do. Mm-hmm. But those 12-year-old girls grow up and become 24-year-old women who can understand things. Absolutely. Some mm. of those 12-year-old girls were in, like, advanced reading classes <laughs> in their youth. And they had, they were reading Wuthering Heights in middle school and had, you know, the brain power to process it without it being spoon-fed. Yeah, I don't know who I those girls are, but... the deeper themes of Twilight. I was in the advanced reading class in the mm-hmm. seventh grade. Okay. I'm like... I was reading, like, you know, three books at once during middle school because that's that was the vibe. So I think I could have understood that in your movie. Thanks, guys, for making me feel stupid. Anyways. <laughs> Honestly, I don't know if I would have gotten it or not. I, I, I don't know. 12-year-old Gwen was going through a lot. She might have not picked that's up fair. on it. <laughs> I really had nothing else going for me besides my hyperfixation on the Twilight Saga and then, you know, the Hunger Games soon following that hyperfixation. I had nothing else to spend my time on, so. Oh, I will say, I need to talk about this because this was the first Twilight movie I saw in the theater on opening night. And let me tell you, it's a life-changing experience. I really felt it all. I distinctly remember me and my two friends, we got, like, you know, two rows back from the screen seats because that theater was packed. So many screaming tweens in there. And we had to, like, look up the whole time with, like, our necks cranked back. But it was still, like, the best goddamn night of my life. Like, experiencing that movie with a bunch of other fans who were all wearing, like, the Twilight shirts. And, like, the minute you see that moon screaming screaming couldn't hear bella's romeo and juliet quote because we were all screaming edward slow walking from his volvo screaming jacob taking off his shirt loud screaming i wish i had been (laughs) a part of the twilight fandom during its inception just for that sense of community and camaraderie like it sounds every time someone describes it it's sounds so amazing and I just want to be a part of something like that and I know that m- makes me sound like I'd be incredibly susceptible to to a cult <laughs> but like I don't know maybe maybe I would be I just want to belong to the <laughs> fandom I want to scream with all my friends in the theater watching a twilight film for the first time absolutely like i feel like everybody needs to experience that once in their lives and i want them to re-release the movies in the theater so we can all go back and experience this again obviously this would have to be post-covid for the proper experience but i just want it i feel like it's only fair (laughs) let us all relive our middle school years and give those who found twilight later in life a chance to see it how it was meant to be perceived Mm -hmm. Amazing. 
I was gonna say, I like this movie. I like the casting of the werewolves. Like, we see less of them in the movie than we do in the book, if that was possible, but it is. Mm-hmm. But I like their little family relationship. I have a huge crush on Embry Embry's now that I'm cute. older. He's so mm-hmm. cute. He's a sweet bean. He's, you know, the least problematic out of all the werewolves. Until we I get Seth. Seth. True. Oh, I love Seth. BB. Oh, protect. Oh, I love him so much. The true fan favorite. Oh, he can do nothing wrong. I love that boy. <laughs> That's all. I have one last thing to roast before Ooh, okay, we go. do some zillennial quiz taking. And my last thing that I need to roast is the birthday party scene. <laughs> we get not enough socializing. With the Cullens. That's so weird. Bella opens the envelope. She starts bleeding. We get a cinematic slow motion shot of the drop of blood falling into <laughs> Esme's white carpet. Okay. We see Jasper's eye- pupils dilate. And we see him go feral. We watch in slow motion as Edward sweeps in front of Bella and shoves her backward. And we see... A dummy, a literal stunt (laughs) dummy, not a stunt person, not Kristen Stewart, a dummy like a mannequin, go flying backwards and hit the wall as stiff as all get out and then fall on the table. And I, I sob with laughter every time I see it because it looks so bad and it's so funny (laughs) it's so bad oh i wish i had not given my movie dvds to goodwill because on all of them there was like behind the scenes clips and i feel like i distinctly remember them showing us like the doll that they threw back and i was like as a little 12 year old so maybe i wasn't so smart i was like that's so believable amazing Mm -hmm. immaculate and now i'm like that's a fucking mannequin yeah you slapped a wig on her and you're like yeah this is bella good enough you can get the whole saga <laughs> on DVD at Walmart for like 15 bucks, but I don't know that it includes any of the fun behind the scenes mm. or like commentary and stuff. That's fair. And if I'm being honest, I don't have a DVD player anymore anyways, so. Get an external disk to... drive for your laptop. Oh, I guess I should. That's so much work though. You know, I'll just, I'll just, <laughs> I'll just reminisce. watch them on Netflix. <laughs> yeah, I'm like, I'll just watch them on Netflix and reminisce of when I used to like listen to the director's cuts and like the deleted scenes and whatnot. I don't think there's really any notable deleted scenes from this movie though. Unlike the first movie, which has the most whack-ass deleted scenes I've ever seen. You know what I want in life? When they re-release these films in theaters for all of us to go watch together, I want the version uncut. they play in the theaters to be uncut and commentaried. The versions that have the Rob and Kristen commentary. That's what I want from life. Yes, same. It's always so good. Rob is always roasting the whole thing, and it's mm-hmm. absolutely magical, and I love every second of it. <laughs> it's so beautiful. I also, I guess what they did well in the movie that was changed is edward is now a vision and not a voice which is Mm -hmm. a good idea because if edward was only a voice i fear we'd have like the jane Eyre movie issue i always have when i watch that where when she hears rochester's voice calling to her it's always super cheesy and stupid 
Mm-hmm. I feel like that would have been the vibes if we had just heard Rob's voice and also got to give him that screen time. Yeah. But- <laughs> his contract worth it paying yeah. him a lot of money i bet that was his favorite movie to film too because he had to be in it like not not at all barely <laughs> in it he was like perfect i barely have to fucking be here <laughs> amazing um, Alyssa, that's all i have though you want to take a quiz <gasps> yes fabulous the listeners perfect. today We are taking a BuzzFeed quiz. This quiz is titled, Based on Your Internet Habits, Which Member of the Volturi Are You? So we're going to take it, uh, and we're going to get either Aro, Marcus, or Caius? Caius. 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 (laughs) Aro, Marcus, or Caius. Caius is the pettiest (laughs) and the most forgettable. Um, (laughs) He really is. really is. So we're gonna take this quiz, uh, Alyssa. Do you have any predictions for yourself? I like straight up don't. Um, I think out of the trio, unfortunately, I'm the most like Caius because I'm a petty asshole. But like, I don't want to get Caius because I think he's a dick. I wish I could say that I was Aro, but I think more realistically, I'm gonna be Marcus. Yeah, it's fair. Yeah, yeah. Well, we're gonna find out. Listeners, Ooh. we'll see you on the other side. Yeehaw! Whoop, whoop. Him. Oh! <laughs> I think we got the same character again. <laughs> I got I got mine and I just started laughing. I thought I think it's so funny. Immediately <laughs> groans. Okay, Gwen, go for it. So I got Caius. <laughs> you're an old soul trapped in a young body. You're mischievous at times, but you're known for following the rules. I also Which isn't Caius. It's not wrong though. That's no. The thing. Like he fucking sucks, but that description is accurate. I would also say that's accurate. I don't know if I relate to that though. Me as a personally. Oh. See, I do. I definitely do. I feel like an old soul in a young body, and I am definitely the person who chants arson and then says i don't know guys do you really think that it's okay for us to wear shoes in the house (laughs) (laughs) absolutely correct true i i'm like i know myself i'm too wishy-washy of a person to be known as an old soul i am Mm -hmm. a young soul through Mm -hmm. and through and the mischievous is true and i sometimes do follow the rules but sometimes i'm also like eh fuck it do what i want (laughs) <laughs> i just think it's funny i think That's it's funny, funny. i oh like the God. reactions of getting caius was <laughs> laughing at a ugh. Oh, listeners take the quiz and then let us know what you get because we need to find our aro and our marcus yes absolutely oh we should send this to our friend who yes we have a is friend it- who is our unofficial third podcast host who none of you have met yet um but she is our sounding board for all of our terrible ideas and uh, is also heavily in the Twilight Renaissance with yes. us. So it's my favorite. It's all my Instagram DMs from her are like Twilight memes. And it's, it's amazing. We have a Twilight group chat. And it's we do. We do. <laughs> it's my favorite thing. Brings me joy. So I, I hope she enjoys this quiz and I hope she gets Aro deeply in my deeply mm-hmm. or Marcus. Either or. 
Alyssa, uh-huh. where can they find our podcast? Okay, you can find our lovely podcast on SoundCloud, Apple Podcast, and Spotify. If you listen to your podcast on Apple Podcasts, give us a five-star rating. And if you listen to Apple Podcast or Spotify, hit subscribe so you can see new episodes from us. Yeah! If you want to get in touch with us, uh, you can find us on social media. We're on Instagram and Twitter, at T-Squee. Tweet your quiz results at us. We really, really, really want to know which member of the Volturi you are. I do. If you have longer thoughts, though, you can always feel free to send those to our email address, which is tnsquee at gmail.com. That's T, the letter N, squee, at gmail.com. Alyssa, what should they send us this week? Hmm. I don't know. Hmm. This week, if you watch the film, I want you to take notes like we do and then send them to us because I want to read your notes uh, and take a break from writing my own because, oh my goodness, I write so many notes. (laughs) Yeah. And I also want to see those, especially if you guys do voice to text like I do and see all the spelling and grammar errors that inevitably show up no matter how good your diction is mm-hmm. your phone spells stuff wrong and says the wrong thing yeah or so if I just you want to see it if you have some especially good uh michael sheen as Arl fan art would love to see oh, yes. it uh yeah yeah oh, yes would love That's to see it <laughs> <laughs> That's what I want Perfect. All right, y'all. Thanks so much for listening to this episode. So we'll be back next time. So we'll be back in two weeks with Eclipse, the book. Mm -hmm. Likely that one's going to be another part, two-part episode. So we'll be back with Mm -hmm. part one, at the very least, in two weeks. And we'll see you then. But not woo, because Eclipse is my least favorite. Yeah, this one's gonna be a struggle, but we're gonna we're gonna push through it. We're gonna power through. It'll be fine. Happen. (laughs) Read along with us, friends. It's gonna be a bumpy ride. (laughs) Hold on tight, spider monkeys. (laughs) Hold on tight, spider monkey. (laughs) (laughs) Okay. Thanks for listening, y'all. Love you. Bye. Bye. Bye.